Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, Fusion Church. Happy uh, Monday. Happy August 7th. Starting off with a new day, a new week, and a new book this morning. So we'll hop on in. Uh, before we do, a couple quick, quick announcements. Um, one, if you didn't get a chance to watch yesterday's message by Pastor Danielle, you definitely want to. Really powerful, really insightful. Um, but uh, a secret tip, make sure you watch the video, not just listen to the podcast this time. There's a great visual she has. So you really want to catch uh, the video recording of this on YouTube. All right. Uh, second, this coming up Sunday night, August 13th, is Connect Group Leader Celebration Night. This night is all about celebrating our current Connect Group leaders as well as any prospective Connect Group leaders. So if you want to get involved this semester by leading a Connect Group and seeing life change happen, not just around you, but in you as a leader, go ahead, come out uh, Sunday night with us, August 13th, 5.30 for a bonfire celebration just to celebrate all God's been doing in our Connect Groups. Um, and see what God's going to keep doing in this next semester. Amen. Uh, and lastly, as we kicked off yesterday's Operation Orange. So we're getting the uh, opportunity to bless teachers throughout Atlantic and Cumberland counties. Uh, so we have 1,500 bags to fill with all kinds of items, um, hand sanitizer, disinfectant wipes, uh, tissue boxes, chocolates, all kinds of different stuff to love on our teachers in this region. So make sure you grab your list. Make sure you check out um, the email blast is coming out. Make sure you're checking out uh, church news for more updates and checking out the schedule for getting involved, whether it's donating items, whether it's coming out to help pack, or coming out to help deliver with these bags. All right. So all kinds of great stuff going on this month and this season, all, all God's doing here at Fusion Church in and through us. So and now through his word. Amen. So let's dig in for open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for every single person joining us this morning or this afternoon or this evening or whenever um, we're joining in, God. I thank you that you meet us right where we are, in the middle of our, our morning, in the middle of our car drive, in the middle of a workout, in the middle of a walk in the, in the park, God, in the middle of our crazy life. Thank you for meeting us, God, with your word, with your truth, with your love, with your grace. I pray now, Lord God. Um, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes and ears to everything you want to speak this morning. I pray I decrease and you increase, Lord. Let be your word, your truth, your love and your grace in these next minutes with your people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's dig in. So like I said, uh, new day, new week, a uh, new book. We're going to dig in together. First Samuel. So um, I'm reading at the NIV. New International Version. So pick your favorite translation and I'll read it along. Uh, verse one. This section is entitled, in the New International Version, is entitled, The Birth of Samuel. There was a certain man from Ramatham, a Zephite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, 
the son of tu- Tahu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one called Hannah and the other called Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the house of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and she said, and he said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Verse 21 starts off with the title, Hannah Dedicates Samuel. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do as seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, he brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I pray for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Amen. God's word is so good. Amen. So um, if you're on Zoom with us, go ahead and put in the chat what stood out to you, um, what verses are speaking to you. 
If you're journaling along with us, go ahead and write in your journal what's standing out to you, what God's already speaking to you, right, before we jump in. Let's go. All right, so I love a good origin story. All right, I'm not a huge uh, superhero person, to be honest, but my favorite part of the movie is always seeing how the, the superhero became a superhero, right? I love talking to people on Sunday morning or during the week and getting to hear more about them, right? What's their origin story? Where do they come from? What's God done in their life up to this point, you know? And that's exactly what the book of Samuel, this first chapter is, right? It's Samuel's origin story. Like I said, every good hero, it's a good origin story, right? And so um, as we go on, um, so in the original Hebrew man's man manuscript, uh, book of Samuel is actually one book, but as things were translated over time, um, it became two books, right? So it was such a long book, it became Samuel 1 and Samuel 2. Uh, and we're not exactly sure who wrote the book of Samuel. You know, Samuel himself was a major contributor to the book. Since a lot of it's about his history, his growing up, um, his his leadership, right? Um, but a lot, of, a lot of the book also takes place after his death. And so we're not quite, quite exactly sure where or who um, wrote the books. But we see it over time how it gives a beautiful um, story of, of Samuel and other kings and judges and leaders throughout Israel, right? And the ministry of Samuel starting off here in these, these early chapters. Um, so we start here in verses, verse one through three. It talks about um, his father, Elkanah, and his mother. And I guess his stepmother, I'm not sure how you would call her. Um, his mother, Hannah, and his the other woman, Peninnah. And right off the bat, the first three verses, we're setting up the chapter setting up for a stage of comparisons, right? Because we we, know, we hear about Elkanah, right? We see how he's a man of faith. You know, it talks about how he goes up year after year to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. He's a man of faith. He's a man of, of a good family man, right? So we're, seeing, we're, we're identifying Elkanah by his actions, by his character, by who he is. But the women, Hannah and Peninnah, we're setting up, we, we know them by what they have or what they don't have, right? We hear nothing about their character starting off, nothing about their actions, just be identified by what they have or don't have, that comparison, that that less than more than um, labeling, right? And we've all felt like that at times. You know, we all have felt at some point in our lives labeled or seen or only known for what we have or don't have. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me this morning. But I know, hopefully, um, other people can relate, right? That someone and at points in your life, you've been a Hannah feeling forgotten or you've been a Penina. You feel like you have everything all together, right? <clears throat> but it's sad because we see already how polygamy, again, how it's in the Bible and it's all about context, right? So that was a cultural norm at the time, have, having two wives or multiple wives, but it doesn't make it was right. You know, like we see in God's word how it happens, but there's always division. There's always hurt. There's always um, bitterness that comes out of it, right? And even though Elkanah is a man of faith, and he's a descendant of the Levites, as we read about in Chronicles, um, First Chronicles six talks about more of the bloodline um, of Samuel and and that side of the family. We read that he's actually Elkanah is actually a Levite, which means he already has you know an amazing blessing over his family of leadership and of faith, right? But even in, in that family of faith, there's still 
things that weren't going right. There's still things that, you know, God didn't intend originally, like multiple wives. And we're seeing how that plays into the story, right, going on. Um, something was really key to mention because I was, I was reading through this. I was wondering why, maybe you're wondering too, why Hophni and Phineas, the two sons of Eli, were mentioned. Like, what, where do they fall into the story, right? What's the context of having them in the story? Um, so in my studying, I found out that these priests were actually mentioned because we'll, we'll hear about more of them tomorrow. Spoiler alert. Um, but they were wicked priests. And so the, the, the really important thing that Eli, that Elkanah was still going up to see them, the sacrifice to the Lord, is even though he knew that they were wicked, everyone knew they were, they were, they were um, selfish in their motives, right? But Elkanah was so faithful to God, he still put his service to God, and his sacrifice to God first, ahead of his, dis- his disdain or his disagreement or dislike of these priests. Because there's people in our lives we don't agree with, People are in our lives we'd rather not interact with sometimes, right? But if God calls us to be obedient in serving alongside them or worshiping alongside them or being humble and going to them for, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's a coworker or a boss or, you know, whoever it may be, if we're being obedient to go and interact with those people and, and fulfill our duty towards God, that's the main thing, right? God wants us to be obedient regardless of who's around us whether we like them or don't like them, you know? And so seeing Elkanah's faithfulness is another reason why his family gets blessed, right? We see how he he's so he carries out that obedience and his blessings with obedience. Amen, we say every single time, blessings with obedience, right? Um, so we keep scrolling down here through verse four, uh, that whenever Elkanah would go sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. The Lord had closed her womb. And despite this blessing, despite the love of her husband, we see Hannah weeping and sorrowful because of the comparisons she's, she's made between herself and what she feels she lacks compared to Penina. She lacks children, right? But we also see uh, in verse six, how her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Point where, the point where Hannah would weep and she, would, she wouldn't even eat. She was so upset, so disgusted. Um, heartbroken, right? So it's interesting seeing how Hannah sees herself. We always think Hannah is the, the victim here, right? That she's the one who's who's stuck in comparison. She's comparing herself. What, what about Penina though? What if Penina is also stuck in her own comparisons, and she's and she's acting out of jealousy and bitterness because she thinks she she feels she's the lesser wife. She feels she has all these children, so she should have everything, right? And yet she doesn't have the love of her husband. Her husband still prefers the other woman. And so to Hannah, Penina has it all, right? She has the children. She has, you know, all the blessing and the favor of God. Because then at, at that time, remember, children were saying it's a blessing from God. And they still are. And so in that time, especially though, if a woman was barren, it's almost as if she was cursed by God. She wasn't blessed by God like other women would be. So Penina sees, so, so Hannah sees Penina as blessed with all these children. But Penina sees Hannah as favored and loved. And so they're both acting out of comparison, of jealousy, in two very different ways, right? And we see how Hannah, how Hannah is actually seeking blessing from God. And that's why she's, she's weeping, right? But Penina is seeking blessing from her husband, from man, because she wants her husband's favor and double portion, right? 
And even though she's so blessed by God, she has all these children, this, this great family, she still wants more, right? But that's exactly what comparison will do to us. No matter how blessed you are by God, no matter how much favor and someone else thinks you have it all together, right? If you if you have all these blessings, but don't but take them for granted and don't see them as, as God wants you to see them, we will get bitter. We'll get jealous. We'll have all these different feelings in our lives that God God's heartbroken over for us, right? He's heartbroken seeing the brokenness in this family. And yet he's still faithful in it. Amen. As we continue on reading. Um, and, and the reality is too, sometimes that it seems unfair to us, right? We're reading this. It seems unfair to Hannah to, to have to go through all this and be, be hurt and be weeping and brokenhearted. But, but God's so good. And that even the plans that seem unfair or unkind to our eyes can be the setup he uses showcase an even greater measure of his faithfulness and love to us, right? Everything's in hindsight. We're seeing how, how God's going to use this situation of brokenness and hurt and even rivalry. And when he steps in, everything shifts, right? Something else to really showcase too in, in verse eight, um, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And let's be honest, the reaction of her husband is, is, is kind of, you know, he doesn't quite understand her pain, right? And we've been, we've all been in the situations, whether it's with a husband or a partner or a friend or a family member who doesn't fully understand what we're going through sometimes, right? Um, and it's, it's hard because it's, it's hard for us to feel like we're even more alone by the people around us sometimes, right? <clears throat> but it's also a reminder too, um, from Hannah's perspective that the comparisons that she's going through not only are hurting her, it's also hurting the others around her, right? Because that's what comparison does. Like I said, comparison hurts us, but when we take other people for granted or take our blessings for granted, it hurts others. So in this point, this you know we think we think Elkanah is being a little, um, a little uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, misguided maybe in trying and not understanding quite the pain she's going through. But at the same time, we also have to read it as he's also hurt, right? He thinks he's doing this great gesture for his wife. He's taking care of her, but he's not being fully appreciated because she's so stuck in those comparisons, right? Comparison hurts us, but also those around us who get hurt when they don't feel when they don't feel appreciated, right? Because we get so stuck on ourselves and so self-focused that we can't be others-focused around us. And it's hard, right? It's hard no matter what side you find yourself in. So one of our first application questions this morning as we're going through, where are you finding yourself stuck in comparison this morning? And how is that affecting your relationship with God and with others? So I'll be honest, I'm, I'm very prone to comparison. Um, totally honesty, total honesty. I'm, I'm actually going through soul care right now, amazing study. And soul care has been really helping me work through those comparison issues and seeing what God's, you know, God's been teaching me and showing me these different things. And I've had to repent of the comparisons I've been through in my own life. And going this, you know, going through freedom, going through soul care, these are two great studies. And there's others too, of course, with connect groups, but freedom and soul care are two incredible studies to help find that inner healing you may need this morning to work through those comparisons, to work through those relationship issues with God and with yourself and with others to get to the healing he has for you. Amen. <clears throat> As we continue on uh, in verse nine. Once we had finished eating dinner and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up and we see she goes out 
to the house of the Lord and she's praying, she's weeping, and she's she's vowing to God. She just wants to have a son. And if he she, he won't forget her, he won't forget her, she won't forget him, right? And let's be honest, this is the most moments, this, this is a, one of those key moments in Hannah's life because she had every reason to be bitter and angry at God. We've all been there, let's be honest. We've all had those moments or those situations or those heartbreaking um, just moments where you're angry at God, right? Maybe just me, but I've been angry at God before over things. I'm weeping. I'm asking God why. I'm asking, I'm trying to, you know, make a deal with God even sometimes in those moments. But instead, Hannah, she's written in this Bible for a reason, right? Again, we don't hear a lot about women in the Bible, especially women with names. And so she's in this Bible story for a reason because she chose humility and service to God in the midst of her pain, her anguish, her her bitterness, her weeping, right? Um, and she in the New International Version, it says Lord Almighty, and she opens her prayer. Um, in other versions, maybe your version, it may say Lord of hosts or Lord of heaven's armies. It's because in those moments, she's actually calling on God to fight for her and to protect her from the attacks of her rival, right? She's she's so downtrodden, and yet she won't she's not fighting back against Penina, right? She's not, she's not going out and lashing out against her, right? She's going to God to fight her battle. She's going to God for his strength, his protection, instead of trying to fight in her own ways, her own strength, right? And what really is, hit me too, is really beautiful, is that in the midst of all her bitterness that Peninnah is dealing with, and she's lashing out towards Hannah, Hannah didn't let Peninnah's bitterness become her bitterness, right? She came to the Lord instead to process her pain, process her hurt, Process all these feelings of of weeping bitterly, but not acting bitterly. Right? She can weep, and she but she laid it all at his feet, instead of leaving it in her heart. Right? It's another question this morning as we're going through diving in. What bitterness, what hurt, or what hard feelings do you need to leave humbly and honestly at his feet this morning? If you're waking up this morning with a feeling in your heart that God doesn't want to have in that in your heart whether it's pain, whether it's depression, whether it's a, just a bad situation, whether it's um, lingering feelings, whether it's comparison like we're talking about, come to him humbly this morning and leave them at his feet. He wants to take those feelings from you. That's exactly what happens in these moments, right? Because she's weeping, she's giving all these feelings to him. And so he sends Eli into the situation to take those feelings and help her process those feelings into, into finding peace, right? And we scroll down <clears throat> to verse 12. And like I said, Eli steps in. Eli's seeing her pray. He's not hearing her pray. She's praying quietly in her heart, right? He sees her praying. And he thinks he's, she's drinking. You know, she thinks that she had too much to drink at the big um, the sacrificial dinner, the feast, right? And so he judges her. And she comes, you know, no, my Lord. She's, and she tells her the real story. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Because we all know praying out loud can be so powerful and effective. But those silent prayers in our hearts, especially in those moments where we can't pray out loud, maybe it's a, a job situation, in the middle of a conversation, middle of a fight with someone, with a spouse or with a, a friend, right? Those moments where we can't utter, literally can't utter a word of prayer, that prayer in our hearts, God still hears that. God still wants to work in that, that moment, right? to hear us, to answer those prayers. <clears throat> and so we should be pouring out, right? 
you know, we're not, she's not pouring out wine. She's not pouring out, you know, beer, Hannah, but she's, she's pouring out her bitterness, her weeping to the Lord in the midst of her troubles. She's not seeking comfort. She's not seeking distractions. She's not seeking to take away her, her problems, you know, and to numb them. Like the world tries to tell us it's okay to, but it says she's coming with her, her heart and her soul, pouring out her worries to God. And that's what he can take, right? He can't take the pain from us if we're not going to give it to him in the first place. So by coming to him and giving her her pain and pouring that out to him, he can take that in, you know? And so when Eli sees her and, and first he's judging with physical eyes, right? But then he sees her with his spiritual eyes. Then he sees her pain, you know? And that's the importance of making others feel seen and known in their pain, right? And coming alongside them, whether it's a Sunday morning, through, you know, between services or, or during services at the altar team, you know, as we pray over people, whether it's during a week in your connect group and you pray with people and you connect and share your pain with one another, whether it's in a prayer request email, right? Prayer at fusionchurch.cc. Send the email to the prayer team, you know, let that anguish out to the Lord so people can come together and pray over you and pray over a situation, help you find that same peace. There is opportunity seven days a week here at Fusion Church to get prayer. And that's so rare nowadays. You'd be surprised at some other churches. So whether you're coming on a Sunday, coming during the week to your connect group, you're emailing in, find someone or some way to share your pain with God and with others. Let us be your Eli to come alongside you and pray with you and say, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you ask of him. We continue on here to verse 18. And we see a change in Hannah, right? Because God sent Eli into her situation. God sent Eli into her prayers. It's that shift, right? <clears throat> she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went her way and ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. And there's another great example in the Bible of how our mindset and our perspective can shift with one encounter with God and with one meal. Amen. <laughs> Whether it's the Israelites with the manna in the desert, whether it's Elijah eating, taking a nap, whether it's even Jesus and his disciples, right? God wants us to be nourished both spiritually and physically, taking care of ourselves, right? It's also an example of how one kind, encouraging word from someone can make an impact, right? Eli didn't have to walk over. He could have sat there and just judged her, you know? But because he went over and encouraged her and gave her that kind word, her countenance changed, you know? We're only one kind, encouraging word away from someone else's be having a life change, right? Maybe it's even us. Maybe we need one kind word this morning to have our life changed, you know? And so being, like I said, coming alongside one another to be, to be strengthened spiritually and physically and even emotionally with a kind word, all, God's, all things God's calling us to be, right? And as you go on, we see how even in the midst of her, her sorrow, her grief, she's able to walk out in faith. Right. She came in weeping. She's coming out of that situation, out of that that dinner, eating and having some kind of hope in her life. Right. The hope and that peace and that faith, again, step out in that situation. And she's remaining faithful, even in the hard season she's going through. She's still showing up early the next morning and worshiping God. You know, she's still she's not giving in. She's not hiding under the covers, not staying home. She's coming together into community. And worshiping God, even in the midst of her pain. That was Pastor Danielle's message this past week, right? Rejoice. Rejoice always in the in Philippians, right? Find some way, some how, some reason to always rejoice in God, to worship, 
to find some some piece of, of hope in your life, right? <clears throat> I mean, even the song we sang this week, Praise by Elevation Worship. We sing it the last couple of weekends. There's a great line I love. Praise is the waters my enemies drown in, right? Praising, worshiping, rejoicing. These things not only, they change our hearts, right? Not only, they may not change the situation, they change us from the inside, right? And we see what happens when we get changed, when we have that life change happen, and we walk out in faith. Verse 20, in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. The Lord remembered Hannah, right? Because she didn't give in. She didn't sit on the sidelines. She continued connecting with God and praying and worshiping and staying close to her family, right? She didn't shut her family out, you know? And we don't know exactly the timeline from the promise to the fulfillment. We do know because of her character, because of the outcome, that Hannah had trust in the midst of that season. She had trust and she had faith and she kept pressing in throughout that whole timeline, right? It could have been the next day, you know? It could have been a few weeks, a few months, even a few years, right? But that one word from Eli, she held on to that. When God gives you a word, hold on to it, right? Because his word, his promises are true and they're fulfilled. Every time. So regardless of how long that, that process may seem, his word is there and that he hears us, right? <clears throat> I love the meaning behind his name too, Samuel. Um, it comes from the Hebrew word Shem, which means name, and El, God. So Shemel, right? Or uh, another translation can also say Shema, which means hear, El, God. So Shem, El, or Shmael, right? And so it's, you know, we said interpreted name of God or God has heard. She so is really beautiful of how his name is a testimony of what she's seen God done doing her life, right? And her family. Uh, continuing on now, after his birth, we see the second half of the story. Verses 21 through 28, the rest of the, the chapter is entitled, Hannah Dedicates Samuel. You know, because we see how the Lord is faithful to Hannah. And so here in these few ver- these next few verses, we see her being faithful in return to her word, right? And so for some context too, um, when I had Isaiah, so I, I nursed Isaiah for a little bit over a year before he was, you know, he grew up and was was weaned, I guess you could say. Um, and culture at the time, um, in Israel at the time, the weaning process was about two to three years, you know? So in the whole context of this, as she's, she's weaning and nursing her son and he's growing up, imagine him being, you know, two or three years old, right? And he's dropped off at, at church. So imagine leaving, you know, your one-year-old or your toddler with a kid's team at, on Sunday morning and saying, okay, God, okay, Pastor Sean, you know, he's, he's your son. He's the Lord's son and leaving him there the rest of your life. Like, I, I, I'll be honest, I read this. I I was weeping for Hannah, right? Because can you imagine wanting something so badly, so much after enduring years and years of, of ridicule and and um, attacks and judgment and shame for something that you want so desperately and then getting it for only a few short years, right? And then giving it back to God. That's hard. That's faithfulness. Like that's the kind of, of faith Honestly, I aspire to one day, not to have to give my, my children up, 
but to have to but have God say, here, I'm giving this to you. And then God, me, people say back to God, God, I'm giving this to you in return. You know, um, I've had friends, even I have friends that have gone through through adoption on both sides, you know, ones who have have given children up for adoption and ones who have um, received and taken in kids for, through adoption. And no matter what side you're on of the story, I, my friends have always said that giving up their child or seeing someone give up their child is the hardest thing. Right. And so after years and years of prayer, seeing Hannah go through this hard thing together, that can't be overlooked. It wasn't an easy thing. It's an easy thing because there's peace in it because we know God will take care of him. But it's not an easy decision to make from her perspective, right? As a, as a mom, you know? But she's faithful to God even in those hard moments, you know? And what's even more beautiful I was reading about this is because he was a, a Levite and the, the, the um, family lineage of, of the Levites, there's actually a Levitical um, dedication period. So in, I can't remember where, I think it's in, um, it's either Numbers or Deuteronomy. I can't remember off the top of my head. But one of those books, it talks about how um, when the Levites from ages of 30 to 50, those 20 years, they're actually dedicated those 20 years to serving the Lord's house as, as priests in the, in the temple. So as being someone who is already in that, that genealogy, Samuel already would have had a dedication process to the Lord, to serving God's house, right? But that wasn't enough for Hannah. She wanted to have a double, she wanted to give him back and dedicate him twice over, right? She was that faithful and that dedicated to God that she's not going to wait for, you know, his usual period. Like he was entitled, he was, he was going to be. But she wanted to have a, that extra measure of faithfulness in her life and over his life to dedicate him from the time he was weaned, right? And so beautiful because it shows the faithfulness, like you said, of, of the whole family, right? And worshiping the creator more than the creation, right? She's, she's worshiping the blessor of God more than the blessing he gave her. And we're in time right now where that's so, it's, it's not easily seen, right? We get co- so caught up in the blessings and the favor and the, the graciousness of God. And we're like, oh God, thank you so much for all these blessings, for this, this job promotion, for this new house, you know, this, this new relationship. Thank you so much, God. And then how, how often are we actually giving, going back to him um, and, and not losing sight of him, right? We, and not letting that, that blessing become an idol in our life, right? And that's the beautiful thing about of Hannah. We see as moms, right? And as parents, it's so easy for us to let our children become idols and become distractions away from God and his purpose for us. And so we can come back to God and say, God, I'm, I love my children. I thank you for my children, but I still need to put you first. My children want to do this sport, but we still have to be at church on Sunday and spend time with you. My my children are up early, you know, uh, young mom, you know, young kids, they're up early in the morning, you know, crying or whatever it is at 6 a.m. But God, I need you at 530. I need to wake up early, get my time, my quiet time with you early before the kids wake up and need me, you know, where it's, hey, I'm, I'm so exhausted from a long day of, of being a parent and my kids are in bed. But I, before I go to bed, I need time with God now my nighttime quiet time, right? Whatever it may look like, finding those ways to put God first, not only blesses you, but it's gonna bless your entire family as we see, continue on throughout the rest of these chapters, right? And even generations, right? As we go throughout the next few weeks through these books, amen? As we close out, 
our three application questions for today. Uh, one, where are you finding yourself stuck in comparisons? And how is that affecting your relationship with God and with others? Two, what bitterness, what hurt, what hard feelings do you need to leave humbly and honestly at his feet today? And three, from our last point, are there any blessings God has given you that you have unintentionally become an idol in your life? I'll say it again. Are there any blessings that God has given you that become unintentional idols in your life? Is there any places in your life where you've only been walking in partial or even full disobedience or unfaithfulness before the Lord? Is there some area that you, God's asking you to give in to him or give up to him or give back to him? You're not walking in yet this morning. Let the Holy Spirit speak, journal it, go back and re-listen to those points again. And see what God wants to show you this morning. Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for this morning. Um, like I said, this afternoon, this evening, for this time, whenever it is, we're listening to you, Lord, to your word. And thank you for, for Hannah, for Elkanah, and for the example of their faithfulness as a family, God. I pray now, Lord God, you would just you minister to the Hannahs who feel less than. I pray, God, you you work in the lives of the Peninnahs who are caught up in bitterness and jealousy. I pray for the Elknas, who are the family providers, God, who are doing everything they can to provide and bless their families, Lord. I thank you, God, for these examples of our ancestors that we get to read about and we get to, to walk alongside God in their faithful stories to help us to walk in our faithful story with you, Lord. I pray now, Lord, to keep ministering to us as we go throughout the rest of our day today. Um, keep showing up um, for your people, Lord, and your peace, your provision, your protection. And God, keep keep drawing us closer to your word and give us, us new wisdom, new insights, new revelations, Lord, so we can keep growing in, in even more awe and great gratitude towards you. In your name, we thank you. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, fam. So good seeing you. Uh, it's always a blessing spending this time with you. So have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much for being a part of this morning with us. God bless.